0: Welcome to the leadership show called My Great Aunt Edna, the leadership show that focuses on excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. I'm your host, Mac McNeil, and today our special guest is Dr. Norma Hollis, and she's a change agent who impacts the world in multiple ways. She writes programs for human development around the theme of authenticity and turns them into training processes that deepen self-awareness and expand consciousness. Her programs are based on 30 years of research in human nature from personal, professional, and lifestyle perspectives. Norma and her programs offer a fresh approach to living and leadership. Grounded in guided principles to understand themselves and applying that knowledge to become a better person. Her work leads people to become more fulfilled at both personal and professional living. Norma was the first black woman to own a speaker bureau for black speakers. In this role, she was instrumental in the expansion of boutique black speaker bureaus and the creation of African-American departments and large established speaker bureaus nationwide. Norma now owns a human development training company built around authenticity brand. Her most popular programs are ROA, Return on Authenticity, a workplace authenticity program to assist organizations to strengthen teams, increase engagement and improve retention and authenticity u an online school for self-paced personal development she's the author of multiple books and programs that lift the spirit with proven techniques to find your authentic self share your authentic voice and live your authentic life one of her books blueprint for Engagement, Authentic Leadership, has been cited by multiple authorities in the leadership field. Norma certifies others to teach and coach using her programs. She and her programs are catalysts for people and organizations to open and gaining new perspectives about authentic paths to self, life, and living. And with that, I want to introduce everyone to Dr. Norma Hollis. Dr. Hollis, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Uh, So we we talked a little bit before the cameras got going and your story is so intriguing. I know there's a lot that you wanna tell and I have several questions, but I'm gonna turn it over to you for a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you arrived at the point in which you are right now.
1: Well, you know, my life is really all about following my inner voice and I've been following my inner voice as long as I can remember, since I was probably eight years old, maybe before then. And I'm just amazed at what happens, what has happened through my life by doing that and the changes that I've made. I'm in the process of creating a two-minute video. I'm being being inducted into the African Yoruba family uh, a month from now, August in in August. Um, And I'm excited about um, looking at, you know, when, when you're going through life, or for me at least, I'm just doing what I feel or what I'm led to do. Oftentimes, Mm not knowing where it's going to lead. But as I look back, it really makes a lot of sense. I can see the path. I can see how one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and the accomplishments that that occurred. And when I work with people, I talk a lot about the thread in their life, finding the thread. And I see my thread clearly, and it's been authenticity all the way around, um, Mm -hmm. approached in different ways. And for me, it all started when I was 28 and realized I had become my parents' version of who they thought I should be. I was married. <laughs> we both had great cars and great jobs, a house on the hill, you know, all those wonderful things. And I was miserable. And I didn't know what to do because I didn't know who I was. So that's when I started my journey. I didn't know it would take 30 years of, of research, but it was well-spent research. I spent 30 years do, understanding um, human nature and authenticity. And then I spent 12 years uh, figuring out what I had found. Because mm-hmm. it was it was kind of channeled through me. You know, I listened and wrote and, and, and experienced life and wrote and stuff like that. And later I had this program. I didn't know what it did. Took took 12 years to figure that out. And then another two years to figure out, so what do I do with it? How does it work? And so that's kind of where I am now. really getting out there in the world in a major way and very excited about that.
0: So that's a great story and one that's not too uncommon. I hear that a lot. You know, people saying, you know, I, I, I reached a certain point in my life where I, I thought I would be fulfilled. I wasn't fulfilled. And then you go on this journey and you find this thread. So I have a question for you, because as you were speaking about that, you know, you said you started when you were 28 with this process. But how would you coach a young person to look for a thread when they haven't had that many experiences in their life at this point?
1: Interesting question, because I spent some time in 2018 in China teaching my program to Chinese students. And one of the students uh, has followed me here to LA. She's gotten her doctor, her master's degree. She's gotten married. And she's also been my student for several years. And what I found so interesting, if you see behind me my grid, my authenticity grid, it has three different voices that we all have. We have an inner voice, an outer voice an expressive voice. Inner voice, no one hears but us. Outer voice is how other people perceive you. Expressive voice is who you become in the world. And as I was teaching her and having her repeat to me, I really couldn't get past much of the inner voice. And I realized that's because of her age, because she really hasn't had enough experiences yet. Mm-hmm. So young people, what I do is I help them to learn how to listen to themselves, how to recognize the voice within when it talks to you. You know, they talk when you're young. Or boy, I guess all ages about is it the good voice or the bad voice? Mm-hmm. So I teach young people how to recognize the voice, their inner voice, how it speaks to them, how to respond to it, how to build the relationship. Because those of us that you've talked to who have found that purpose is because our inner voice has been leading us to it. But we get distracted by all the things that society and life dangles in front of us. That's supposed to be the better way rather than listen to yourself. So it would, it would be teaching them how to listen to themselves and how to create a relationship with yourself. I like to start by telling people, young and otherwise, that if, you're, if you want to get deeper to listen to yourself, look at how, see if you can figure out how you answer yourself when you ask these three questions that you ask every day. You ask yourself, what time is it? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? And no one goes outside naked. Everybody eats every day just about, <laughs> and we arrive on things on time. So somewhere we're getting an answer. So look at how your voice answers you, and that's a clue for how your voice speaks to you on an ongoing basis.
0: Oh, that is great advice. I love that. Thank you for that. So, I want to go uh, a little bit further back in your your development, and I know you you started a program before in the Michigan area and Ohio as well. So, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about that? How it progressed, and then you know, where did it end up?
1: Well, my degree is in child and family life sciences, which essentially is early childhood education. This was when it was brand new into society, and I was in first graduating class at Michigan State University uh, a few years ago. And um, I, I've always been an out of the box person. So I, I just go, go beyond um, what the box tells you, go beyond what the books tell you, listen to my voice and I get re- great instruction. So I did a large uh, focus on children's spirituality. I was very connected to my own spirit. That's what inner voice is. And so I was understanding and watching children and helping them to understand their inner voice. And then, as I'm in this early childhood program, it was my first career. So of course I was very young, and my first job was directing programs. So I jumped right in in it right away. And I noticed that children's parents didn't really understand them, didn't take the time. I understand more about why that is now, as I'm older and having been through some of those things. But I recognize the value that parents would have if they understood where their children's shortcomings might be. Now, mind you, this was after I finished Head Start. Head Start is a federally funded uh, preschool program, which is why Mm -hmm. I worked for three three different uh, programs. And Head Start is kind of like a way to find out how your child is doing. And what I created was what we call an early intervention program, to take intervention with young children when there may be some, um, some clues that there may be shortcomings in certain ways. So we ran it through um, uh, mental health facilities and used uh, health insurance in order to Mm -hmm. to fund it. And I developed a a really interesting program where the children, we would bust the children in and we would put, we had three different rooms. We had one room for speech and language. We would do a hearing uh, exam with them. We had one small room for learning disabilities, which was relatively a new term at that time. And then we had another more like a playroom where we did gross motor, fine and gross motor, and social emotional. So, the, the key parts of what makes us human uh, that could be identified in preschool years. That's what we're doing. We did it in Detroit, Michigan to start, and then Southfield, Michigan, and then Cleveland, Ohio. And these were all done when I was in my 20s. And mm-hmm. um, when it stopped, but I was doing it with my husband at the time. Mm-hmm. And his goal was to be the early childhood czar in Detroit, Michigan. And my goal was to help all the kids in Detroit, Michigan and, and beyond. So we had some conflict in our own values, and that's where it ended. But after it ended, I noticed that one of the girls in the community started her own program just like mine. So I moved to California, and she I mm-hmm. have no idea what happened since then. But the whole idea of early understanding of your children and how mm-hmm. you... Support is clearly something that happens quite a bit in today's world.
0: Yeah, I can see some thread in in your story you know, from the external perspective. You know, I I hear a lot of psychological um you know, profile and thought process, you know. When we talked a little bit about authentic, authenticity, I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit here, but also the early childhood part extremely important. But I want to talk a little bit now about the Speakers Bureau, because one, I'm honored to be speaking to the first black woman to own a Speakers Bureau. And so I want to learn, like, what motivated you to do that? And then what were some of your successes and challenges that you experienced in that process?
1: Well, what made me do it? Listen to my inner voice. You know, when I knew it was time, I felt like Head Start was um, I was I was attached. I could not leave without Mm. permission, if you will. So I finally left, I learned what I was there to learn, and um, I started speaking for free. That way, there was a, a friend over here who had started, a, a, became a friend who started a bull, uh, like newsletter book, and she got speakers for free. And so you would buy a little space in there and she'd put you in and you'd go speak wherever they call you for free. This is when the speaking industry was just starting in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a lot of speaking engagements, and it's one thing at Head Start, to speak the Head Start message, because I had 200 staff, you know, I had large staff, and um, I had to learn how to speak to them, especially when they were angry. So that was, that taught me a lot. Um, And so I just, I could not travel like most speakers do. Uh, When I was eight, I developed a hole in my eardrum from an infection. Oh, wow. Ended up having ear infections for 55 straight years. And for 40 years. So needless to say, my energy was low. I I didn't know that I had that problem. I just knew that something was wrong, and I could not sustain my days the way most people did. I just got exhausted. So I knew I could not travel. So there was that voice again. It said, well, help other people to speak. So that's what I did. And I'm the kind of person where I'm not so much like this now, but when I was younger, when I hear the voice, I just go do it. I forget Mm -hmm. that sometimes there's a learning curve, or something you got to stop and figure out. So I did not go learn what it meant to be a business owner. I figured because I could run Head Start, I could run a business. You talk about challenges. I didn't understand <laughs> it. I did not understand the difference. You know, Head Start, you go write a grant, and the money's there. You know, yeah. they give you a little bit of attention, but it's very, very little. The money is going to keep coming in. Um, but in your own business, it's not quite like that. So, you know, the challenges were really, what does it mean to be in business? Because I came from a teaching family, uh, no entrepreneur, my dad was a dentist with his own office, but he was not an entrepreneur. So it was a whole different experience. It was a long learning curve and a very expensive learning curve. So uh, in the process though, you know, you kind of pay for what you get because now they call me a legend. So I didn't know that, you know, I've heard it a few (laughs) times, but I didn't know I was building legendary status at the time, but nonetheless, that's, that's how I'm perceived by some people now, those that knew me back at that time. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about business. I learned about a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. So I learned, you know, not to repeat those mistakes. And I, I, I just got my Ph.D. in, of all things, uh, business administration and entrepreneurship, which I was surprised. But mm-hmm. I guess I've earned it because I've learned I've all, most of the things I've done in life. I've learned as I go. So my master's degree I got from life experience. My Ph.D. was an honorary Ph.D. because I'm busy in the world. Yeah. Learning things and, and making a difference as I'm learning. Of course, you make more mistakes that way. But yeah. you learn uh, when you make mistakes. That's when you learn. So I learned a lot. So I have a lot to share. But it was a great experience. I met a lot of well-known people, Les Brown, Patricia Russell McCroud, George Frazier, Magic Johnson. I could go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Met a lot of people. um, Got a lot of uh, uh, film that I use now for my performance to leverage. I mean, I've learned a new word leverage, you know, a while ago. How I've leveraged the early childhood and leveraging the Speaker Bureau for bigger and better things. But all of those, as we talked before we, the call came, I talked about how we all have a thread in our life. Right. And it continues. And so in my current work, I find myself using my early childhood education, using the uh, speaker bureau stuff and, and just leveraging that for the next step. So I think all of us, if we look at our lives a little differently in terms of the threads, we can understand ourselves better. Rather than, we, we, we have a tendency as human beings to jump from job to job based on the paycheck, based mm-hmm. on how much more money you're going to get. Not so much based on who you are and what you have to offer in the world, but it's a whole different energy, a whole different um, responsibility and a different impact you make when you're following your voice. And not just chasing the money, but chasing more what you hear here on the planet to do. We talk about purpose a lot and we all come with purpose, but we get... so, so uh, Uh, disconnected from our purpose so early in Mm -hmm. life. So I help people reconnect with with what
0: they're really about. Yeah, that's a good one because probably nine out of 10 people that I know at some point feel like they're disconnected from their purpose. So, I mean, that's something that we all need. But I want to move into uh, some of the work that you're currently doing right now. So there's a term, workplace authenticity. Uh, And I know you're, you know, an expert in this area. And and as, as I read that, First of all, I thought about myself. You know, I I I kind of think, well, not kind of think. I was trying to be a little little humble here, but I take pride in being authentic all the time. Like one Mac all the time. You present yourself regardless of who you are. But I know that some other people have challenges in that, and some of my employees have expressed those challenges. Like I feel like I have to be another person at work. And so, talk to me a little bit about. Workplace authenticity. And then I have a follow up question for that one as well.
1: Well, you know, it brings me back to my bureau. And I remember so many clients that I took on came to me because they said, Norma, I've been working for 10, 20, or 30 years and I've lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. And that happens, you know, everywhere. And I guess my, my journey to authenticity probably started when I was eight and had those ear infections that, were, that included two solid years of traumatic ear, ear aches. That were horrendous, mm. and what I realized, and I didn't understand why the adults in my life didn't get what my needs were. They, you know, they they were nice and comforting, but they, but not not the depth of comfort that I really needed because they had their own stuff to deal with, you know, whatever. So I wondered, well, why why can't they be authentic? Why, you know, why? And then when I had the early childhood work background, I had a lot of employees that I worked with who didn't like kids. So I mean, that's authentic, right? No, no. <laughs> And then with the speaking, too, you know, I found out that, my, to my perspective, the speakers who were the most impactful were those who really knew themselves. They didn't have to put on any, any facade on stage. They could be themselves. They didn't have to remember what lie or what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. They just were, were very natural and real. So as I studied that and researched it, I, um, I actually, I was being downloaded for many years. This, the grid you see behind me, which is the results of my 30 years of research on, on, on authenticity. And when I finished it, I had written books. I had written a book for each of those nine boxes, each of those nine dimensions. And I didn't know what I had. I, I took it and I, I traveled to visit a, a mentor that I had uh, had uh, come to know. And he told me, well, just go and do some speaking events, because I had the bureau then, and, 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 and teach it to people and see what happens. So in 20 months, in 18 months, I went to 20 cities. And I did presentations. I have an assessment that goes with my grid. And I gave the assessment and signed up 150 people, which was brand new to me. I had never done this before. And I said, well, yeah, I'm on to something. And I've just been um, actually it's been 20, 30 It was 44 years total of creating this program. 30 years wow. of reaching, 12 years of figuring out what is it I created, was downloaded through me, two years to figure out what to do with it. And now we're just getting it into the world. And it just so happened. Now, in the process of writing my individual program, I also wrote a corporate program. So the grid you see behind me is an energy grid. The energy is the same no matter how I use it. So Mm -hmm. I have a corporate culture grid. I have a dignity grid for DEI. I have a sales grid and an engagement grid. So I have taken the energy and made it not only the individual, but those four areas. So now, just in the last month, I've recognized that there's a new word on Google and on LinkedIn, and it's called workplace authenticity. Mm -hmm. And while I haven't done a lot of reading on it, the people in my team who have read it said people are talking around it and about the need for it, but no one talks about how to do it. Well, guess what I've been doing for 44 years? (laughs) (laughs) It morphed from the individual to the corporate, to the corporation, to all the issues within corporations, the diversity issues, issues of engagement. You know, the research says that less than 60% of people, or more than 60% of people, are not engaged at work. You know, and all the great, the great resignation going on. People are not. They don't know who they are. So here we are at a point where workplace authenticity is a relatively new word. And and I, this is the third time I've been a pioneer in my industry. I was a pioneer in early childhood by doing the early intervention program, mm-hmm. pioneer bureau, being the first black woman. And now I'm a pioneer with workplace authenticity, but I'm older and wiser and I have and I'm leveraging and I've got all all the tools needed to take what I have created over these years. And I even have the team people I've already certified. So we're really getting ready to to be to to be the leaders in workplace authenticity because I have the program. I've got the teams ready. I've already got the website up with all the things the programs developed and we're starting to schedule our first uh, four events around the country to introduce uh, people in corporate to our workplace authenticity platform uh, because we're ready to go for it. And what it it really means is allowing people to be themselves at work, Mm -hmm. allowing gifts and talent. You talk about threads, and I I was just in the last week looking at my thread because my early intervention program, in some ways, was to help children find their gifts in the preschool years, which is possible. And that's what I'm doing now. Helping people find their authenticity, find their gifts, find to be how to be themselves in wherever they are. And so the process of that is to help organizations look at the energy. My grid is an energy grid, Mm -hmm. and they don't talk energy a lot, but it's the energy that drives your actions. It's the energy that drives engagement. It's energy that changes. When you're changing culture, you're changing the energy in an organization. So that's what we're doing by workplace authenticity, talking about how to modify the energy. First, in the senior management team, we have mm. some assessments that we give that help the senior management team see, well, who are the thinkers in the group? Who are the communicators? Who are the doers? And mm. what roles are they? And how can you guys support each other since this is your intact team? What can the thinkers do to help the doers? Because doers are not always thinkers. They go do things and not, don't always right. try to before they yeah. do it. And yeah. likewise, strategists, the thinkers, are not always doers. They're good at thinking. So how can that team be more effective? And then let's go to the broader team of the whole department, the division, or the entire organization. And so we look at those to help organizations become more authentic. Now, I wrote about these kind of things. Actually, in 2014, I have articles that we're posting on, on LinkedIn now because it wasn't timed then. And when that time when I was reading about it, what they were saying is that corporations that don't have a soul Mm will actually be the ones that survive. And that's what we're seeing in workplace authenticity. It helps the organization find their soul and make sure that their soul is is aware that the the walls and the halls are saying the same thing. And that the the mission and the vision is being carried out in the things that are done so that there's alignment with it and there's energy, energy around it. So I hope that helps understand a bit what
0: I'm talking about. No, it does, and it's exciting. And, you know, all kinds of thoughts are running through my mind as you're speaking. You know, I was thinking, you know, if I'm a CEO, I'd probably have a couple of questions for you right off the top. You know, when we think about authenticity, you know, it's, you know, again, I'm assuming it's coaching individuals to be themselves at work um, and to bring their true selves at work so we can get the true value out of who they really are. But I would also think about the receivers of that authenticity, like how do you work with those? Like if I'm a CEO and I'm receiving something uh, from a person that I didn't know was there, but now they're showing me their true self, like how do we prepare them as well as the receivers of this new authenticity?
1: Well, you know, people are asking for it. They're they're looking for it. As I mentioned, when I had my bureau, they came to me and said, I lost myself. I can't Mm -hmm. find it. I had to be the culture that they they had. So, you know, like a lot of what I talk about is A lot of corporations still operate in the hierarchical way that did the industrial environment. And since the industrial age, which was what 200 years ago, since the industrial age, we've gone through the information age. We went through that real fast because computers came on, and everybody it was all about what the industrial age is: do it faster, do it more. The Mm. information age is: oh, you have a problem, go get the research and let me know what you what you find. Then we go to the empowerment age, and the empowerment age is: oh. Do the research and then do it. Use your skills to do it. I'm empowering mm. you to make it happen. And now we're moving, to, we're moving in two different directions now. We're moving into the artificial intelligence time, which mm. is one issue. And we're also mis- moving in another angle to, uh, to an area of, of, of expanded consciousness. Correct. So the children that are coming into the planet now are a little more advanced. The things yes. that are happening are a little more advanced. So you're going to have this collision or something down the road between artificial intelligence that does not use people's skills well, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't use the brain well. But in the uh, for the consciousness piece, the gifts and talents are going to count because the brain, the artificial intelligence taking over the brain. I mean, the phones take over mm-hmm. our brain. We don't even think how to go somewhere. We just push a button. We right, don't even right. think about anything. We just push a button, phone numbers and all of that. But. This, the gifts and talents that make us unique and original. And, and, and every, everywhere that I've read and what I've seen and what I feel myself is that that's what's going to be important in the future. What are your gifts and talents? What's your uniqueness? What's your authenticity? What makes you different? And how are you going to use it? That's actually what we entrepreneurs do. We take our gifts and talents and turn it into a way to earn our income. It's hard to do that when you're working full time on somebody else's time and what their objectives are. But to follow purpose oftentimes mean taking that leap and going out to do it yourself so that you can be connected to your gifts and talents. And yep. if organizations wanna keep their employees, they have to have that angle. Otherwise employees understand now it's empowerment age. They're empowered and COVID empowered a whole bunch of them to go out and do their own thing.
0: So true, so true. You made a really, really, really good point when you talked about the juxtaposition of consciousness and AI. Like. You're you're so right. That's a collide that's just waiting to happen. I've had a few guests on the show recently that are mindful and conscious experts. And so I just want to say that was interesting. You know, when you when you mentioned, I was like, that's that's a huge point to think about as a leader. Um, so tell us a little bit about your most recent book, Blueprint for Engagement, Authentic Leadership. So what can we get out of that book? Uh,
1: this one explains my whole program. I go in detail of the things that I wrote over 30 years the, the perspective and it's applied to corporate. So I have a couple of books. The first book I wrote was called 10 steps to authenticity. It was a brief overview of it, but this one goes into detail. And it talks about um, it talks about why authentic leadership is important and what what it means to be an authentic leader. It talks about the nine dimensions of authenticity the, in a corporate environment where excuse me it's about the individual's authenticity and the organization's so in a corporate environment where the inner voice is about the individual in the corporate environment is about the employee the employee is the inner voice of the organization where we talk about the outer voice here for the individual who's how are you perceive the outer voice for a company is the organization itself how is it perceived in the community and then the expressive voice which is who you have become on the individual side it's the community and your connection to them, your integration with the community on a corporate side. So, and then the thing communicate, do is really where a lot of corporates get a lot of value because they don't always think about their thinking or whether they're thinking, doing their, about their energy, how the energy is being expelled. Mm-hmm. I'm with, I have a new uh, person on board, a corporate development liaison. He says, well, you know, corporate doesn't talk about energy. Well, yeah, they need to because it's the energy that's what brings people, bring their energy with them at work. When there's when there's disappointment, disagreements, it's the energy that's clashing. So people have people, you know. There's nowhere on the planet that we teach people self-awareness. We don't teach them about themselves. You learn
0: that's
1: from the true. you learn from the bully. So yeah. and this is usually wrong. So this is kind of going back and redoing all that and helping helping build a calmer society in a sense, a more knowledgeable and insightful society, and actually a higher level of consciousness with the society. So that's really you know a roundabout way what it's all about.
0: So, Dr. Hollis, where can we find your book?
1: Uh, my book's on Amazon. Blueprint for, okay. if you put Blueprint for Engagement and My Name, it will come up. There's, I've seen a lot of different titles like mm-hmm. this. And as you mentioned earlier, it's, my book has been cited by over a dozen leadership authorities. So, um, and it has over 600 or something citations total. It's just, it blows my mind. And I'm told that's a bit, that was before I became a PhD even. So that's, I'm proud of that. And um, the book is The Details, and it's the curriculum that we use. It's the, the 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 textbook that I use to train people to be my corporate trainers, which I'm looking for more of those right now because we're getting ready to dominate.
0: So yeah, I love it. I love it. So before we wrap up today, I want to turn it over to you, you know, speak to the audience that's out there, whether they're listening by audio podcast, or video, um, and what's the message that you want everyone to get out of today's conversation?
1: Well, I guess the best message I would say for you is to just examine your life and look at how you're living your life. You know, we come into the world given the values of the people that raise us. We have no choice. But when you become an adult, you have a chance to look at your values and whether the ones you were raised with are the ones that really represent you or not. When you are not living your values, that's when you have um, problems. You have lack of accountability. You're not accountable to yourself. You're not accountable to your creator. You're not accountable to what it is you're here to do. Because I think we all have an assignment, a purpose, and that's how we come together to build a better world. But if we all get off off track, following society's dang blues in front of you, you know, if you do this or whatever, this is the newest, greatest, best thing, you know, then <laughs> you, lose, you lose sight of what you're really here for. So if you really want true satisfaction in life, that's about being you, being the true you. And it's not easy to to let go of. And it's, a, it's sometimes a lot of, I've made a lot of sacrifices in my life to just follow my inner voice. I could do a lot of jobs I could have had that I remember when I was in in college, and I was interviewed by Avon, and they wanted to court me, and they said, "Well, this could be a wonderful job for you, because so and so." I said, "No, it's not what I'm supposed to do." So I said, "Sorry, I guess I'm not. I don't know what it is, but I just know." (laughs) So we all have a path, and sometimes it knocks from the inside, and it's telling you, "You know, let me out, let me out. I got something to do." So if you're not sure what it is, you can look back at your life, at the things that you've done, Mm -hmm. look at. I call it a timeline. You just draw a line, a straight horizontal line, put your age, put zero at one side and your age at the other side and break it into five-year segments. And on the top of the line, put those things that you remember that were great, that gave you great excitement and enjoy. And on the bottom of the line, the things that were your challenges and very disappointments. And then, you know, and do this over a course of maybe a month so you can really, you know, kind of assess it and see where the threads lie. And when you see those threads, ask yourself if your current life relates in response to those threads that are in your life. If you're not happy, look at those threads. Chances are you're off your thread. You're you're on on the wrong side or on the wrong um, pattern or the wrong material or something is not right. So see if you can adjust. What I say, um, I use the word tweak. So transformation, change, being true with yourself is about a series of tweaks. And if you see something that's not right, whatever, you tweak it, you try it for 30 to 90 days, see how it impacts your life. If it works, keep doing it, try something else. And a tweak could be something as little as changing the way you go home to work. You know, I work from home and when I'm, I was out one time and coming home in a very busy area and it took five lights to go one block. And I'm not that patient. But I realized <laughs> if I'm a series of right and left turns, I'm going to get home and yeah. I'm gonna you know, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to have a more scenic visit. I'm not going to be frustrated because I, I can't control five lights to go one block, but I can control the movement that I make. And that's the same yeah. thing I say to you. If you find anything out of sync and unhappy, tweak it and tweak something out and keep tweaking until your life is as you want it to be. Because people are surprised because I, I really I have a few down days, but not many because I tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked. Uh, and I, I tweak my diet every January. I change cool. something, what I'm going to eat, so that gets me healthier. So I have a habit of tweaking, and I think that's the secret of success. So
0: I love happy, it. Happy tweaking. <laughs> that is an outstanding message of constant adjustment or tweaking, as you said. And, and Dr. Hollis, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. I want to remind everyone about her book. And make sure I get the title right. We have Blueprint for Engagement, Authentic Leadership. And it's Dr. Norma Hollis, and you can go on Amazon and pick that up right away. And also, uh, you know, she's working with corporations. So if you're an organization out there that's struggling with your culture, you want to learn something about workplace authenticity, uh, you have an expert here who's ready with her team to get out there and and assist, and I love the you know one of the things that we didn't talk about that she mentioned is around the return on authenticity and how it impacts the return on investment. And so if you're a leader out there and you're struggling with your ROI, this is a great reason to reach out, reach out to Dr. Hollis as well. And I want to thank everyone for listening to today's show. And a reminder to like and subscribe so that you can hear from leaders from all around the world who will give you great nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your own leadership journey. And with that, I say thank you. God bless, and may your week be excellent. Thank you for tuning into today's show, and I especially want to thank Dr. Norma Hollis for listening to her inner voice and allowing her to be the trailblazer that she has been. We're putting her information up on the screen right now for you to reach out to her and find out about all the great things that she's getting ready to do in this world. And I also want to remind everyone about my book, My Great Aunt Edna, The Golden Girl of Leadership, available wherever books are sold. And I also want to remind you to please like and subscribe to this channel so that you can hear from leaders from all over the world to help you in your leadership journey. And with that, I say thank you. May your week be excellent and God bless.